It's a new day and time for another NCEA podcast. Today, we are headed to the Mideast region of the country, to New York. The state of New York has eight dioceses. The biggest by far is the Archdiocese of New York. It is one of the largest archdioceses in the country and serves nearly 54,000 students from pre-K through 12th grade across 170 schools. Please join me on a virtual tour to New York, New York, as we visit the office of the superintendent. I'm Laura MacDonald, and this is NCEA Podcast. Joining us today is Michael Deegan, superintendent of Archdiocese of New York. Mr. Deegan just recently received the NCEA Lifetime Commitment to Catholic Education Award. Congratulations, Michael, and thank you for joining the NCEA podcast. Laura, it's really a, a, a blessing and a delight to be with you um, today. Um, I, I'm honored to be with you to spend a little bit of time talking about uh, what I consider to be um, a sacred topic, which is Catholic education and Catholic schools. Um, however, before that, I do want to thank you and uh, Lincoln Snyder and the NCEA uh, for your leadership um, in helping all dioceses, big and small, in navigating the challenges over the recent years with respect to uh, COVID and many, many other challenges that we face. It's, it's assuring to know that there is a body out there that kind of has all of us under their umbrella. So I'm appreciative of, uh, of spending some time talking to you and the advocacy and the support that NCEA has given to uh, to the diocese around the country, particularly New York. Well, thank you, Michael. I know that that will go a long way. Thank you so much for those kind words. Michael, please tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. <laughs> Just a little. <laughs> Where do you begin? <laughs> um, I, uh, um, I'm actually, I, I uh, announced uh, back around Christmas time that I'm going to be retiring at the end of uh, this school year. It will, uh, it will conclude a 50-year uh, uh, ministry to uh, Catholic education. Um, I've been a catechist. I've been a teacher, a principal. Um, an administrator. Um, I've taught at every level from elementary to college um, and have been so fortunate to be part of the uh, office of the superintendent here at the Archdiocese of New York for the last 19 years. And um, as superintendent for a little less than five years, I was deputy for a very lengthy period of time under my predecessor. So uh, I'm a lifer. Uh, I went to Catholic school right through college undergraduate, graduate, postgraduate. Um, so uh, I really, uh, I'm really very fortunate um, to be able to uh, be a part of what I consider to be the most sacred and important ministry of the church, which is Catholic education. Absolutely. So my next question would be, what led you? It sounds like your family enrolled you in Catholic school. They did. <laughs> and, and, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, stop me if you've heard this story before. <laughs> I, I think that, um, you know, my experience in elementary school and high school inspired me uh, to discern um, a, um, a ministry in Catholic uh, teaching, Catholic, Catholic schools rather. Um, I, I'm not sure that I saw myself as much as a teacher, but as someone who could work in a school and bring the children closer to Christ 
um, and to develop a sense of community. Uh, all of our schools are a real strong community of faith. Oh, and by the way, you have to be a teacher at the same time. So <laughs> I, uh, Absolutely. I my, uh, my, uh, my bachelor's degree was in English and theology, and I, you know, I became a teacher. And while I, I have to confess, I struggled in elementary school and high school as a student. It really was difficult for me uh, to, to do well. I had a, uh, a very, very minor um, um, learning disability. Um, but when I walked into the classroom for the first day, it was transformational for me. It, it completely changed um, what I did, who I was, and it made it so much easier. I struggled as a student, but becoming a teacher was the most natural and easiest thing I've ever done. And I've never looked back. I, I consider myself, despite all of my positions over the years, um, fundamentally, I'm a teacher. I've always been and will continue to be, even long after my uh, my retirement, and you know, I take the inspiration from um, from Scripture that uh, you know we're all supposed to go out and, and be teachers. So uh, I've been able to do that, and I and I can say this: um, I love what I do, and I have always loved what I do. Um, it energizes me, it inspires me, it rewards me, it gratifies me. Um, even as superintendent, people say to me, oh, it must have been so difficult over the last five or so years. Um, well, of course it's difficult. You know, if it was easy, anybody could do it. But um, we do it because we really are committed to the faith and committed to passing on the faith uh, to the next generation of, of young people. But I loved every minute of it. I'm so blessed with remarkable um teachers and principals and parents and benefactors. Um, my staff here is, is remarkable. I'm sure all superintendents say the same thing. Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, I, I think that one of the things that has made my job easier has been the incredible support of Cardinal Dolan. Um, I, I said this at my acceptance remarks down in Dallas. I have said this in the media throughout my time. There is no one who is a stronger, more vocal advocate for Catholic schools and Catholic education in the country than Cardinal Dolan. Um, every opportunity he has to proclaim the wonderful gift that Catholic schools are, not only to the church, but to the nation, he does so. Um, so it's hard not to be a successful when you've got someone like him uh, rooting for you and getting into the arena with you on a regular basis. That's amazing. That is that that's we all wish for that. So you mentioned that you will always be a Catholic school teacher. I think it's important for uh, for myself as well to always be a teacher. And that's how I identify myself. Why is that important? Well, I think, you know, um, I would say I've always said that uh, in my humble opinion, the uh, most important ministry in the Catholic Church is to be a teacher. Mm -hmm. Now, that's not to take away from other ministries in the church. We need all of them. I have always considered myself a teacher, and I think that it provides us an opportunity to uh, uh, provide and create opportunities of intimate relationship with our students and Jesus. 
that's really what we're all about as a Catholic school system here in New York, is to provide, to create and to provide opportunities where there is, as the Holy Father would say, an encounter, an encounter that each child experiences with their peers and classmates, with their teachers, uh, with, the, uh, with their families, but most importantly, an encounter with Jesus. Um, I have often said, it's kind of an old cliche, but um, you know, in some cases, um, the only gospel that a child will ever see and read is through the actions and the work of our teachers. Well, there you go. There's our job description. All figured out, done. Sure. We should have came to you a long time ago. <laughs> well, you told me to be brief. <laughs> um, 50 years, you mentioned. That is a long time. Um, you mentioned how satisfied you are, you, you're in the right place. But what else do you attribute to your longevity? Well, thank you for reminding me of my age. I very much appreciate that. <laughs> uh, I would say first, first and foremost is um, I attribute my longevity to certainly my faith, but I also would say that I am inspired every day by people who are so devoted and so passionate to our Catholic schools. Um, it's easy for me to do my job when I look around and I see how hardworking our Catholic school teachers are here in New York and frankly around the country. Um, I was a principal for 20 years, but I was a principal for 20 years. Almost 20 years ago, the job is very different. So the work that our principals do today here in New York is remarkable and outstanding. Um, their faith is unshakable. Their commitment to Catholic schools is unequivocal. So I would say if I had to attribute my longevity, uh, other than not figuring out what else I want to be when I grow up, <laughs> it is, is the fact that I am inspired every day by the great work of our servant leaders are in our Catholic schools. So you're on the path to retirement four and a half years ago. Why did you agree to become superintendent pro tem? And, and, and why have you remained superintendent um, for, all, for this extended time, a quite challenging time? Well, I think that, you know, part of it is what I said earlier, which is, um, you know, I welcome the opportunity to, to serve the church in this capacity. Um, yes, you know, a little under five years ago, I had planned on retiring. Uh, Cardinal Dolan, who it is very hard to say no to Cardinal Dolan. <laughs> uh, Cardinal Dolan came to me and said, listen, would you consider staying on for a short period of time until we kind of figure out what we want to do here in New York? Um, I graciously said yes. Uh, or I should say, he graciously accepted my, uh, my acknowledgement. Um, and then COVID hit. And there was no way that I was going to walk away from a school system that I cherished and I loved and had devoted my entire life to. Um, the church came first, our schools came first. So I, I stayed on for four and a half years. And as I said, I loved every minute of it. Um, I, I frequently have said to my... Uh, my colleagues and those uh, uh, who know me, particularly my family, when I announced my retirement, 
I said to, uh, to, to the staff, I love my job and I really do. And I love the people I work with, but I love my wife more. So <laughs> we're, we're now, uh, we're now going to spend a little bit more time together. Um, and, uh, I look forward to spending time with her. Well, Mrs. Deegan is a very lucky woman, I can tell. So, Thank you. <laughs> as you mentioned, Cardinal Dolan, and, and he was quoted in saying, the legacy that Mike will leave on Catholic education in the Archdiocese of New York is immeasurable. I thank God for his service and wish him and his family a long and happy retirement. They have big shoes to fill. Well, you know, I, I, I have to say that... Um, we are all so excited that Sister Mary Grace Walsh has taken, uh, will be taking over and has accepted the role again of servant leader as the superintendent of schools in New York. Um, she is no stranger to New York. She was a teacher here. She was a principal here in New York, uh, superintendent in uh, several dioceses, provost, secretary of education, and most importantly, a very devoted and committed Catholic educator. So um, when word was released that Sister Mary Grace was going to be the new superintendent here in New York, there was such a sigh of relief and such excitement uh, and anticipation over her coming to New York. And as someone, you know, selfishly, who's devoted so much uh, time to the work of Catholic schools here in the Archdiocese, I couldn't be happier to turn it over to someone uh, who will do remarkable work uh, in, during her time here. It's always a gift when you are able to help a, a diocese, a classroom, a, a school go through the process and, and really be prepared for the, the next person in charge. That's beautiful. Um, you mentioned Cardinal Dolan. You are collaborating with him on a pilot school project in the Bronx, and I would just love our listeners to hear all about this project. Well, thanks for asking, Laura. Um, you know, uh, the, the Catholic school system of the Archdiocese of New York um, spent a little under two years um, preparing a strategic plan. Uh, shortly after I became superintendent in December of 19, um, I went to his eminence and I said, I really think that we need to take a look at where we are today and where we hope to be three to five years from now. And uh, the, uh, the Cardinal was, um, was very supportive of us uh, taking it a look and, and an, an examination. And we spent two arduous, challenging years, um, some of it during COVID actually, uh, to do demographic analysis, market research, uh, to explore what we do, why we do it, even some of the fundamental questions about asking, you know, why do we exist? Should we continue to exist? And we emerged on the other side of that, um, a school system stronger and even more committed and more dedicated to the, to the ministry of Catholic education here in the Archdiocese. Certainly, it is a very different place than it was 5, 10, or 15 years ago. I can attest to that. Uh, myself, but I think that um, everyone has um, has joined in and has participated. We had dozens of people working on the strategic plan. We got feedback from surveys and focus groups from hundreds of people. And I think what what was most important as we began to carve out and to script out 
what are the strategies that we want to implement over the coming years. Um, a lot of it was generated by feedback we received from the local communities, from the people we serve. Rather than simply say, this is what we think we need to do, we listened first, and then we planned, and now we're acting. And there are a very lengthy series of initiatives that we're going to be implementing, and Sister Mary Grace, uh, who is familiar and aware with uh, these strategies uh, and has embraced them herself, um, one of the more preeminent uh, strategies is um, the creation of a educational and family center, uh, which we are doing at one of our schools in the South Bronx, St. Philip Neary School. What's unique about this particular school, and we're hoping to replicate this throughout the Archdiocese, uh, which is a pretty uh, enormous uh, geographic area, is we came to recognize both in listening to people and what they needed, and equally what we as a church needed to do. We identified that in addition to providing a rigorous and academically excellent Catholic education, we wanted to incorporate into that setting all of the pastoral offices that the Archdiocese so effectively provides throughout the Archdiocese. So we're partnering with Catholic Charities, the Archdiocesan Healthcare Network called ArchCare, Faith Formation for our Parish Religious Education Program, Youth Faith Formation, Adult Faith Formation, Family Life, Housing, and the list goes on. And we're hoping to locate those pastoral resources on the campus of St. Philip Neri School in the South Bronx. So that it's almost, and I described this to the Cardinal in December of 2021, almost a reconstituting of what we all, went, my generation and, and the generation after us, would have been familiar with in the school and the church, the parish becomes the epicenter of family life. So it's one-stop shopping where families can come and they can be loved and nurtured, not just in the educational setting, but with the, uh, with the parish as well. The pastor there, Father uh, Daniel O'Reilly, is a charismatic visionary who has embraced this. Um, and, you know, the, the cardinal, who is so committed to this model, convened a meeting at the end of March where all of those pastoral offices, agencies, and departments convened together. There were well over 30 people in the room, and the cardinal nice. said, this needs to happen. This is what we owe the people of the Archdiocese of New York. So we are, uh, we're in the process of, uh, of implementing some of that um, through the great work of some folks at the Archdiocese, particularly Susan George, who's the, uh, the, the, uh, the, the major fundraiser for the Archdiocese of New York. Um, we've already received several millions of dollars in money to renovate the facility, uh, to fix it up, 
prepare it for these other pastoral offices. So we're well on our way to do that. And God willing, we'll be able to do this um, throughout the archdiocese. This one is, is one, for example, where the Catholic school is at the epicenter. But there are other models we're looking at where there may not be a school, but maybe a much more rigorous and robust parish religious education program with all of these pastoral services coming in. You know, New York is a place um, that has charter schools and partnering maybe with a charter school where after school we would provide all of the pastoral services that we are talking about doing at St. Philip Mary is another option to provide a greater level of pastoral support and ministry uh, to the families, uh, particularly the children uh, of the Archdiocese of New York. So we're very excited about, uh, about this model. I bet. Um, I'm excited to hear more about it as, as time goes on. And it's just an example of the amazing things that happen when we work together, when we listen and work together. Um, thank you. Um, and now a word from our sponsor. Today's podcast is brought to you by NWEA. NWEA, a corporate sponsor of NCEA, supports students and educators worldwide with assessment solutions that measure growth and proficiency, providing insights to help tailor instruction. With precise data, professional learning offerings, and research services, we help Catholic educators and their students get set up for success. Visit nwea.org schools to see why over 1,900 Catholic schools in 84 dioceses nationwide trust NWEA for assessments. Again, that is nwea.org schools. Welcome back. I'm here with Michael Deegan, our, uh, superintendent of the Archdiocese of New York. Michael, you are rolling out a plan to standardize NESBACs in the Archdiocese. Why did you make this a priority? So I think, um, you know, um, it, it, I referenced this before the break, uh, Laura, that um, mm -hmm. the, the engagement and the um, pursuit of the NESBEC standards and benchmarks was one of the other strategies that was born out of uh, the strategic plan that we uh, devoted so much time to uh, in the last two years. We're very proud of our Catholic schools. We have schools that are uh, academically excellent, provide a great, great program, uh, extracurricular program as well. Um, but we recognize that not every school is where we want it to be. And what we're hoping to do by uh, layering on top of every one of our elementary schools, the NESBEC standards and benchmarks, which I'm sure all of your viewers and listeners are familiar with, almost institutionalizes the standards. But most importantly, in layering on and engaging with the NESBEC implementation process, and we're partnering with um, Boston College, um, uh, Melanie Wittenbach is excellent, mm -hmm. and, and, and you know she's nationally recognized as a leading expert on this. Um, she's been shepherding us through this process. We're doing really two things, or hoping to accomplish two things. And I should mention, by the way, that um, all of our Catholic elementary schools here in the Archdiocese of New York are already accredited. 
So it's this yes. is not so much an accreditation process, though it may kind of um, evolve into something like that. This is more to do two things. One, we want to be able to ensure that there is a universality to the standards in all of our schools and it not be the patchwork that it currently is today. And I think secondly, in having our schools participate in this program and learn about NSBEC and then implement the standards in their school, it helps us to identify what resources, what supports, what ways that we can support the school with the staff that we have and the resources that are available to the archdiocese to deploy them to strengthen those schools that need to be strengthened and to affirm the schools and support the schools that are already uh, doing well. So we view this as a, as a tool both to institutionalize exceptionally high standards, but also to identify the mechanism to ensure that operational vitality in every one of our schools is done in a way that allows us to provide the resources and the support to do what needs to, uh, to be done in those schools. Thank you. What do you consider the biggest challenge in Catholic education today? <laughs> well, I, I, you know, I, I could be, um, I could be temporal about it and simply say that it is uh, money. Um, that uh, in a way, the um, uh, the decline, particularly here in the Northeast, in some areas um, and mm -hmm. even in some communities, um, of enrollment has uh, has forced us to take a hard look at at our finances. Uh, the Archdiocese of New York provides almost $40 million a year to our Catholic school system. That's in addition to 20 million that's provided by benefactors and donors on an annual basis for financial aid and scholarships. So I think we certainly are doing everything that we can do, but I think one of the greatest challenges is um, uh, the enrollment and the recruitment, the marketing and the retention of families, um, which of course is a symptom of a larger challenge. And I would say that the larger challenge um, is a, secular, a growing secular society that doesn't put the value on faith and Catholicism and church teachings as they once did. And frankly, uh, Laura, this is as much a church problem as it is a Catholic mm -hmm. school problem. And I do believe that the uh, uh, the bishops and the priests and, and, and religious consecrated men and women and the laity um, have begun to respond to those challenges. Um, you look across the country, there are places in the South and in the Southwest where, um, where our faith is flourishing and mm -hmm. uh, our schools are filled and there are waiting lists in some of our schools and parishes are vibrant and strong. And in other parts of the country, it is not what we want it to be. So we are looking at that and saying, what do we need to do differently to attract and to welcome uh, families of faith? Um, how do we get the word out? How do we minister to those folks? Rather than sitting back and waiting for them to come to us, we need to go to them. And I think mm -hmm. that certainly the Archdiocese of New York, through the multiplicity of ministries that we have here, are doing just that. 
It's to go out there and to bring the gospel, bring the word, uh, bring our church teachings to the faithful and to families. Um, that's really the greatest challenge that I think we face uh, in an increasingly secular society. Some would say, and I certainly would agree, that many of the difficulties that we face in this country today is because it is becoming more and more a godless country. It's becoming a country uh, that is absent faith. In fact, I would go so far as to say, um, and I think Cardinal Dolan would agree with this, that people of faith are no longer respected. They're questioned. Our religious liberty is being challenged by those that don't believe. So not only is it becoming an increasingly godless society and country, but those who practice a faith, whatever their faith is, are ridiculed and shamed and excluded and targeted because they are faithful people. I think that's the greatest challenge that we face here in the mm -hmm. country. That's a lot. Yep. So what advice do you have for our Catholic educators and leaders moving forward? Um, I would say that, and this is one of the one of the pieces uh, that I shared the evening that I received that wonderful award from the NCEA. I am absolutely convinced our best days are still ahead of us. If you look back at church history, if you look back at the history of this country and the church in this country, we have overcome every challenge that we have faced. You look at those that came to this country back in the 19th century to start Catholic education and to grow the church uh, in this country even more than uh, it, it was back then. They faced insurmountable difficulties and challenges. I am absolutely convinced our best days are ahead. And what we need to do is take care of each other, nurture each other, support each other, pray together, seek the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, because I know that we will be uh, really, really on a great path going forward. I love it. I love it. So we just need to also be patient. Yes, exactly. <laughs> be patient. It'll come. <laughs> when you reflect back on your years in Catholic education, what are you most proud of? Well, I guess I could be a bit superficial and say that I'm most proud of the fact that when students, um, uh, former students come back and they are very complimentary uh, to me and they, um, they thank me for being their teacher, a good teacher, someone who they uh, looked up to, I could say that. And, and I'm not going to lie and say that that doesn't um, uh, make me feel good and affirm my ministry and my work. Um, but I would say that um, the most gratifying um, and the most um, impactful experiences that I have had has been really um, the one-on-one -on -one experiences I've had with students where I have seen them grow in their faith, where I have seen them, um, their eyes light up when they receive their first Holy Communion, or when they um, come out of uh, Mass after receiving the uh, 
sacrament of confirmation. Uh, when I see them at church uh, praying the Stations of the Cross and they get it, they understand why they're doing what they're doing. Those are the gratifying moments uh, for me. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the other accolades and the awards and, you know, city championships as a baseball coach, those are irrelevant. What's really re relevant are those one-on-one -on -one experiences. And I would say the most meaningful and most impactful experience that I've had in my 50 years uh, involves a child who had cerebral palsy and she had her braces and she had her um, crutches and I allowed her to stay in my kindergarten class because it was on the first floor knowing that when it was time to go to first grade she wouldn't be able to stay because she had to walk up a flight of stairs. Her parents begged me, begged me to allow them, one of them, to be present. And I agreed. That father stopped working. The mother took on a second job. And for eight years, the father carried her daughter, his daughter up those flights of stairs every single day. And probably um, the, the, the one thing that touched me more than anything was when that little girl, Cassandra, when she walked down the aisle to get her diploma in eighth grade and she had the crutches and had her braces on, she leaned into me and said, I wouldn't be here without you. I love you. I will remember that forever. And there are millions of stories around the country. Every principal, every teacher can tell a similar Cassandra story. And that's why we do what we do. Okay, I'm going to have trouble talking now, Michael. Thank <laughs> you for that. <laughs> um, a favorite childhood teacher for you? Um, I, I, actually, it was my principal in elementary school. Um, sister Catherine Marie Jordan was an Ursuline sister of the Roman Union. Uh, I went to St. Philip Neri School in the Bronx and the Ursuline sisters were there. And um, once a month on a Saturday, Sister Catherine Marie took seventh and eighth grade students from our kind of protected, isolated environment of Irish and Italian Americans attending the school. And she used to bring us down to the Lower East Side of Manhattan, which was a very, very impoverished community down there. So once a month on a Saturday, she would put us on the subway in New York and we would schlep down to the Lower East Side and we would spend three hours that Saturday morning teaching arts and crafts and doing some games with children who there was no school, um, who otherwise would have had nothing to do. I suspect that that was probably the beginnings of my vocation uh, to mm -hmm. be a teacher. Um, so it was Sister Catherine Marie who really inspired me to become a teacher. Not that I knew that at the time, of course. Right. It's a reminder that we have effects on students beyond what we sometimes we'll ever even know, yes. ever even know. 
Um, favorite scripture? I would say um, go and teach all nations. That sums it up, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. It does. <laughs> it does. Um, you know, um, I, uh, I acknowledge uh, with all humility, I am an imperfect vessel that uh, Almighty God has uh, has uh, used uh, me uh, has used me to do. Uh, I'm reminded of Saint Dismas. Not too many people know Saint Dismas. Saint Dismas was the good thief, and I'm reminded of Saint Dismas because um, there is a man who could not have been more sinful, could not have been more emblematic of a a life poorly led but i think that he sought jesus's redemption on the cross and was promised eternal uh, eternal reward and eternal uh, heaven so i would say that saint dismas is someone who i've identified with um, throughout my life as an imperfect servant of the church When you pray for Catholic schools, what do you pray for? I pray for their continued success. Um, um, I, I pray that um, we won't get discouraged, that we will not give up. We won't give up the fight. Um, and, and I think, as I said earlier uh, in the interview, Laura, um, I'm absolutely convinced we will not, uh, that we will continue, we will persevere. Um, and frankly, we, we have to succeed because there are too many people counting on us to get this right. There are too many people depending on us to be able to pass the faith on to that next generation of children. You know, I, I, Cardinal Dolan is frequent, uh, frequently quoted as having said, as do I, our job is not to get them into Harvard. Our job is to get them into heaven, maybe by way of Harvard. <laughs> that would be nice. <laughs> mm -hmm. What is something you hope your Catholic school community remembers about you? That I loved the ministry. That it was the most important thing in my life other than my wife and my family. Um, and I, I think that um, as imperfect as I have been at this work, um, I, I think that, or I'd like to believe that folks will recognize that he really was devoted to this ministry. I think they will. I, I, I think I think you've made that quite obvious, Michael. Thank you. It's nice of you to say. <laughs> Any shout outs today? Uh, you know, I, I kind of looked at this question um, and I, I chuckled because, uh, you know, after 50 years, the law, the list is really <laughs> lengthy. But um, there's no one person that I want to shout out to. I, I think it, it, it's really a shout out to everyone and anyone who toils in the vineyard every day. Um, and, and, you know, I said this to, to my principals. We had a principals meeting uh, a week or two ago. And I thank them for all the work that they do. Most of it unseen by anyone. So my shout out would be to every teacher 
and every janitor and every custodian and every cardinal and every principal and pastor and benefactor um, that works so hard uh, for our Catholic school children, whether, whether their work is seen or unseen. Thank you. It's been such a joy to speak with you today. I'm very inspired. You know, our goal is to celebrate the good news of Catholic education and to share effective practices. And you've allowed us to do both here today. So thank you so much. You're welcome. It was my great honor to be with you and to be with your viewers and listeners. God bless you. And thank you, Michael. We wish you the best. And we hope you can enjoy your final months in the Archdiocese. I know there is a lot of successful um, people out there because of you. And I know your staff thinks the world of you and is really going to miss you. Me too. I will as well. Thank you, Laura. Good luck, Mrs. Deegan. <laughs> Thank you for your service. And to our NCA podcast listeners, don't forget the most valuable resource we have is each other. <laughs>